Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Be taking uh, your copy of God's Word and turning to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. After uh, Sunday school this morning, I've got about six toes left. About six. And... The uh, we may not have but two left after this morning, so I apologize on the front end. Colossians, the third chapter, is where we'll be in just a minute. You know, we live in a world that places great emphasis on how we look, and that's the title of the message this morning. Like the way we look, like the way you look. We spend money on beauty treatments and cosmetics and visits to the tanning bed and spray-on tans, pedicures, manicures. We spend money on uh, going to the beauty shop. We spend money on the newest diet fad, the newest exercise equipment, all to improve the way we look and to make it where we like the way we look. A new report came out, uh, they're always a year or two behind on figures. The American Society of Plastic Surgery says that in 2018, our country, Americans, spent $16.5 billion on minimally invasive surgeries and plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery. $16.5 billion to improve the way we look. That's a 4% increase from the year before. So why do we do it? We want to look good. We want to improve the way we look. You know, most of us remember the, the advertisements from a company called Men's Warehouse back in the 90s and the 2000s. Do you remember those? The Men's Warehouse was a retail giant, it still is, that they, they sell men's clothing and accessories. Listen to what Business Week magazine has to say about Men's Warehouse. Listen to this. Men's Warehouse targets the common man with neatly displayed clothes in the stores being designed to cater to the unpretentious guy who wants to do as little as possible to maintain his wardrobe. Their target market is the unpretentious guy who wants to do as little as possible to maintain his wardrobe. George Zimmer is a guy that founded that company back in 1973. And he quickly rose to be the spokesperson for the company, filmed hundreds of commercials, and he always ended the commercial. You know, he had that deep, gruffy gruffy voice and that full beard. And he always ended the commercial with that slogan of the company, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it. You remember those? Let me ask you a question this morning. Don't Don't answer it out loud. Do you like the way you look this morning? Do you like the way you look? I 
I think that I fall into that category of that target market for men's warehouse, that common man that's not really too worried about his wardrobe. They targeted me. I've never thought that before until I saw and read about them. But they target the unpretentious guy, the guy that's not trying to impress anybody, that's not wanting to do a whole lot about his wardrobe, just, just enough to get by. I think they're targeting most of us men probably. <laughs> do you like the way you look? I think the collective answer to, to that is, is a collective answer for the country would be no. After seeing that we spent $16.5 billion in 2018 trying to improve our looks. What about spiritually? Do you like the way you look spiritually this morning? Now, it's easy for most of us. We can put on a religious facade when we have to. So I'm not talking about do you like the way you look to other people. Do you like the way you look spiritually to yourself? Do you like the way you look this morning? It cuts a little bit closer to the quick, doesn't it? Someone once said these words, they aren't mine. I think uh, Corey Ten Boom was always quoted as saying this. It says, if you look around, you're going to be distressed. If you look inside, you're going to be depressed. But you look to Jesus, you'll be at rest. That's so true. So true. Listen to what 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 says these words. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We're called as Christians to be holy in all that we do because our Lord is holy. And Jesus purchased us with his blood. So how do we live a holy life? How do we practice holy living? And that's just what Paul writes here to the Colossians in this, uh, in this book here to the Colossians. If you want to start there with me, we're going to read starting at verse 1 of chapter 3. And we'll read through about verse 17, I guess. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Since, you, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that you'll hide me behind the cross this morning, Lord, and let the, the words that come out of my mouth be your words, Lord. Speak to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul is writing to the Colossians here. In the first couple of chapters, he breaks down some pretty basic Christian doctrines. Chapters 1 and 2. But then in, verse th in chapter 3, he sort of changes. And he kind of gives us some practical ways to live a holy life. You know... You can go to school all your life and, and earn all kinds of degrees and hang them on the wall, but unless you put them into practice, that's all they are. It's just stuff hanging on the wall. You can go to medical school and you can graduate top of your class as a surgeon, straight A's, the top of your class, but until you put it into practice and start cutting on folks, you're not a surgeon. We can come to church every time the door is open, come to Bible study five times a week, read our Bibles and pray. But until we put feet to it, until we put it into practice, we're not all we could be. And so Paul writes this to the Colossians and to us to give us some ideas on how we can put our life on a holy living track and put it into practice. The first thing I want us to notice this morning that Paul tells us is we're to set our heart and minds on things above, on heavenly things. Look there at verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Paul is saying that all this stuff down here doesn't matter. We need to be focused on what's important. And that's heavenly things. Our feet are on this earth, but our hearts and minds are to be focused on heaven. Focused on where we're going, not where we are. Let me ask you a question this morning. What's important to you in your life right now? What is important to you in your life right now? Now you and I can say whatever we want to say. We can use whatever words we want to use. But it's our actions that tell people what's really going on. If money is important to us, it will show. If power is important to us, it will show. If drugs or alcohol is important to us, it will show. Anything that's important to us will show. If Christ is important to us, it will show. 
People will look at our lives and they'll know what's important by the way we live. Now, they may never say it to our faces, but they know. And God knows by the way we live. Listen to Romans 8 and verse 6. I don't normally quote the King James because it's, it's, it's uh, just a little different language than we use today. But listen to Romans 8 and verse 6. It says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We're to set our hearts and minds on things above, on the things that matter. I think Jesus said it best this way in Matthew 6 and verse 21. Listen to what Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart this morning? Where's your heart this morning? It's where your treasure is. It's what Jesus said. Your heart's going to follow your treasure. And we can't help that. That's the way we're hardwired. We're hardwired. Our heart is going to follow our treasure. And so Paul says to set your heart and your mind on things above. It's a choice that we have to make daily who we're going to serve. Fix our eyes on Jesus and set our hearts and minds on Him. In our text there, verse, verse 3 of Colossians chapter 3, says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The old man has died. When we, we come to Jesus, the old man is dead. And now our life is hidden with Christ in God. God looks at us. If we're a true believer in Him, He looks at us. And all he sees is Jesus. If we're hidden inside, he, he hides us inside the rock of our salvation. And when I was studying for this this week, I thought about Moses. Exodus chapter 33. If you want to turn there this morning, Exodus chapter 33. Moses is having a conversation with God. And Moses says there in verse 12 of Exodus 33, he says to the Lord, You've been telling me to lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. And Moses says, If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And then the Lord replied to him in verse 14 there of Exodus 33, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he goes on down there, and Moses is still questioning him about his presence. And God says, I'll do the very thing you ask, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. And Moses asked him, Then show me your glory. Show me your glory, Lord. And then God answers him there in verse 19. He says, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, listen to this very closely. This just really gave me chills when I discovered it this week. In verse 21 of Exodus chapter 33, verse 21 
the Lord said, There's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you, cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. God says, you stand on the place near me where the rock is, and I'll hide you inside. And I thought about where is Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of the Father. Right there adjacent to God, sitting in His right hand. The rock of our salvation is there. And God says, I'll hide you inside. I'll clothe you with the righteousness of Jesus. I don't know whether this is any foreshadowing here in Exodus 33, but that was so cool. The wording where the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. How cool is that? How cool is that? And we know in Ephesians 2 and verse 6 where we stand as Christians. Ephesians 2 and verse 6 when we come to the Lord, it says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ. Our position is set. When we've come to Christ, we're seated with Him in the heavenly realms. It's already been stamped out. Are you standing on this rock this morning? Are you standing on the rock that's near God's presence. Paul says to practice holy living, we're to set our hearts and minds on things above. We're to set our hearts and minds on things above. But secondly, I want us to know that Paul says something else we should do when we are trying to live a holy life. Not only are we to set our hearts and minds on things above, but we're to slay our earthly desires. Look there with me in verse 5. Paul says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off the old self and put on the new. We're to put them to death. He lists them all out there. We're to slay our earthly desires. Put them to death. You know, when we have a funeral for a friend or family member, we stand around the graveside. And when the service is over, they're buried and we turn and walk away. And that's what he's saying we're to do with our earthly nature. We're to bury it. We're to slay it. Put it away. There's a story told about a little girl named Zoe. She was three years old. She had a pet turtle. Pet turtle. And her dad got home from work and mom met him at the door with that look on her face. You're going to have to handle this. Zoe's turtle was dead. And Zoe was sobbing. And so the man thought for a minute, what in the world are we going to do? So he, he suggested to her, we'll just go to the pet store tomorrow and buy you a new turtle. Zoe didn't like that. She was three, but she knew you couldn't replace that same turtle she had. So then his 
mind began to race and he said, I'll tell you what, Zoe, we're going to have a funeral for your turtle. Being three years old, she didn't know what a funeral was. So she asked, what does that mean? And she's still crying. And He says, well, it's like we're going to we're going to have a celebration of his life and we're going to invite your friends over and we'll have cake and balloons and lemonade. We'll just be like a big party. So she began to cheer up, began to think about all the wonderful things. It took her mind off of what she had just experienced. And so after she'd kind of gotten over it and she began to think about all this, all of a sudden they hear a little scratching in the box and they look down and the turtles are moving. He wasn't dead after all. He was just sleeping. And so the dad was instantly happy because now he didn't have to worry about trying to invite a bunch of kids over and have a birthday party, so to speak. Zoe was only three, but she thought quickly. She weighed the fact that the turtle was alive versus she's missing out on all this. And she said, Daddy, can we make him die again? <laughs> She was joyful about putting the turtle to death because she saw what the alternative was. How come we're not joyful about putting to death our earthly desires? Sometimes we want to hold on them so tightly. But Paul says we're to slay those, put them to death. Knowing that we're going to set our hearts and minds on Jesus and slay our earthly desires. We're becoming more like Him. We should be joyful about that. We've got to put them to death or they're going to put us to death. Listen to Romans 8 and verse 13. Romans 8 and verse 13 says these words, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put, on, put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You see, we can't slay our earthly desires on our own. We can't do it in our own strength. We can only do it when we let the Holy Spirit take over. And that verse says, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, the Spirit helps us when we set our hearts and minds on Jesus. Then we're able to slay our earthly desires. Practice more holy living. But the last thing I want us to see in this passage this morning not only are we to set our hearts and minds on things above and slay our earthly desires, but Paul lastly there tells them to suit up, to clothe ourselves. And he gives a list of those characteristics that mark us as a follower of Christ. There, look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, suit up, he says, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love binds it all together like a belt. Like we talked in Sunday school this morning, if we don't have love, we don't have anything. Love's what holds it all together. And this is a list of the character, the marks of being a Christian is to suit up with these things such as compassion and love and kindness and humility and generosity. It's a less common practice today than it was, but back in the 1800s, they practiced branding cattle. 
you saw that, and, and they probably still, some of the registered cattle people still brand their cattle. But they would do that so that they could determine ownership. They would brand their cattle, and, and then if the cattle were lost, whether it be due to an animal wandering off or cattle, somebody stealing cattle, they could find out who their owner is. Let me ask you, do you bear the brand of Jesus this morning? Does your life show the marks that he lists here, this list? Can people look at you and see the marks of a Christian? Have you suited up with compassion, and kindness, and humility, and gentleness, and patience, and love? Those are the marks that prove who our master is, who our owner is, the Lord Jesus. When people look at us, do they see that brand? Scripture tells us that we were bought and paid for by His blood. He owns us. We're called to live holy lives. We're called to be holy as I am holy is what the Scripture says. And Paul lays out for us in this chapter 3 some very ways just to do that. Set our hearts and minds on things above. Slay those earthly desires. And lastly, suit up with the righteousness of Jesus. Stand on the rock that's in God's presence and let Him hide us within Jesus. So our lives are hid with Christ. And so, as you assess your life this morning, you think about all these things. If we do that, as George Zimmer said in those men's warehouse commercials, if we do that, then spiritually, you're going to like the way you look. And Jesus Christ guarantees it. If there be something in your life that needs to change this morning as we come to our time of invitation, the altar is always open. The Lord is calling your heart in some way. You respond in the way that you can. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the Apostle Paul and the writings that he gave us, Lord, to, to know more about you. Father, as you speak to our hearts this morning, help us to yield to your spirit. If there's anything in our life that needs to change, Lord, we pray that today will be the day. We'll yield to you. We ask you to give us the strength to put our old man, our old selves to death and set our hearts and minds on things above where our eternal home will be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.